Well, I've shared this before. I have what's called undiagnosed ADD. I'm sure I have it. Never went to a doctor to find out, but I can't focus too much on things too long. And so as you can imagine, when I travel in a car, like to Florida or anywhere farther than 10 minutes, um, I'm like, you know, I go, you know, nuts. And of course, I can't use my phone because that's illegal. But it, it, so one of the things that I do is I look at billboards and squirrels, you know, <laughs> seen the movie, you know what that means. And I look at billboards and, you know, because like, what are you supposed to do? And we, I make up games that none of the kids want to play. You know, I spy this and all those kind of things because I get really bored. So I look at billboards and uh, most of the time, how many, how many look at billboards when they're traveling, right? You look at billboards, right? Um, now, most of the time, they're kind of boring, right? They're just kind of factual, you know, hey, you know, exit 52, Bob's gas station. We, and then I never understood this, especially when you go down south. We have boiled peanuts. Like, that's disgusting. I mean, that just sounds really gross. But anyways, kind of boring. But I did come across one that was actually pretty good, pretty creative, pretty good. And, and it had two questions on this billboard. Do you stay awake at night? Do you have dark circles under your eyes? Now, that may not sound cute or funny, but next to the question was a picture of a raccoon. <laughs> now, listen, raccoons are supposed to have dark circles under their eyes. We are not. Proper rest is not only a good idea, it is a godly thing. A balanced, rested life was so important that God included it in one of the Ten Commandments. Of all, you know, of all the different ten things, he chose for one of those ten to be about the idea of finding balance and rest in our lives. We're calling this series... A, a life well lived. And the reason, and it's on the Ten Commandments if you haven't been with us. And the reason why is because for so many years, I, I, in my opinion, we haven't taught the Ten Commandments right. And we just leave thinking it's all of these restrictions of things that we can't do. But in reality, if you understand the heart of God and you understand the way that Jesus described the commandments... You come to realize that actually the Ten Commandments are not restrictive, quite the opposite. They enhance our, our lives and, and, and make our relationships holy and healthy and it helps us love God and others better. I mean, when you get behind that and you understand the heart behind the Ten Commandments, it's not about rules. It's about living life well, which God wants for us. So as it relates to this commandment, this is what I want you to leave here, believing a well-rested life leads to a life well-lived. A well-rested life leads to a life well-lived. Unfortunately, we live in a culture that contradicts this principle time and time again. Steve and Mary Farrar, in their book, Overcoming Overload, wrote this. The pace of life, pressures of life, and pain of life has left us overcommitted, overanxious, and overwhelmed. Have you ever felt that way before? Let's be honest. How many have ever felt that way before? Yeah. For some of you, you may be feeling that way now. 
You might be in a season where you feel that way now. My biggest prayer for you, my job is not to beat you up. I promise you this with this, this, this command. My job is to encourage you and support you to teach what God is truly saying from this and that you leave here with a new, fresh sense of hope. If you feel overwhelmed, overworked, overanxious, overcommitted. And Psalm 127 verse one and two says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he, God, gives to his beloved sleep. So often the pace, pressures, and pains of life are the result of trusting in our own strength, living out our own dreams. We have become the proverbial hamster on the wheel, running, 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 and getting nowhere. That is not God's desire for our lives. Bruce Ray, in his book, Celebrating the Sabbath, put it this way, rebellious people do not want to rest in God's work or celebrate his creation. Like our first parents, we each want to be our own God. We want to rest in our own works and celebrate our own accomplishments. But instead of a peace-filled rest, as the psalmist put it, it only leads to eating the bread of anxious toil. It is God who wants to give to us his beloved sleep. Now hear me, church. Working hard is a good thing. It's a godly thing. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily. Ask for the Lord and not for men. King Solomon teaches in Proverbs 13.4, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the di diligent is richly what? Supplied. Working hard and being productive honors God. And it brings reward. I love where I'm from. I don't love winters, but I love where I'm from. I love that we have a blue collar work ethic and like, you know, work. And even white collar people have a blue collar work ethic though. It's great. I mean, this is a work hard area and I love that. But there's a balance to that. A lack of balance brings stress and tiredness and that doesn't honor God. The fourth commandment of the 10 reminds us of the importance of balance and priorities for our lives. Let's take a look. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day, and what? Made it holy. 
Think about this way, where we've come so far. The first two commandments about idolatry are of the utmost importance. So much of sin and struggles flow out of idolatry. The third commandment we looked at last week, dealing with using the Lord's name in vain, is probably the least understood of the commandments. And it goes so far beyond, as we talked about last week, than than, than it's been used. And I would suggest today that the fourth commandment about keeping the Sabbath is by many considered the least important of the Ten Commandments. It's easy for people to come to that conclusion, right? So, so I work a little bit here and there on a Sunday. I mean, that doesn't compare to murder or adultery, does it? But I want to suggest today, it's not our job to rank the commandments. It's our duty to honor them. Remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy matters deeply to God. And therefore, it must matter to us. The word Sabbath itself literally means to cease. Sabbath, to cease. Uh, Specifically, taking a day a week to cease from work. This was not a new commandment that God had given to Moses. This this goes all the way back to creation. This this was at the the time of of life, (laughs) when it came into being. It It was there that God set up. The Sabbath. One day per week, no work. And by the way, that doesn't mean jobs. It goes beyond a job. Again, we'll unfold what all this means. Because some of you might already have questions about this. Are you saying it's sin to work on a Sunday? If I had to, and there's no other way to do it. And we're not Old Old Testament. We'll get there. Okay? All I'm saying for right now is the Sabbath principle is very much a principle, not just for the Old Testament Jews. It's a principle because God established it at creation. Jesus corrected it 2,000 years ago. And it is very much important for you and I. Genesis chapter two, let's go back to Genesis two, verse one through three, it says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them and on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, made it holy because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. It might seem strange to read that that God rested on the seventh day. Did God get tired? Of course not. It never says that God got tired. It says that he chose to rest on the seventh day. Seems to be a contradiction to what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 121.4. Behold, he who keeps Israel will never sleep nor slumber. God never sleeps. So the idea of rested here isn't sleep. God doesn't need sleep. He's never needed sleep. He wasn't tired after six days of creation. Rest means to cease, means to stop working, stop producing, stop doing, abide, rest, cease. Maybe a song will help, a song I wrote, I hope to, it will become a big hit, maybe hit the charts to help us remember this idea of six and one, six and one, six and one. 
You want to hear it? I've been working on it. I'm super excited about it. And I want you to know you're gonna, you're gonna, I'm going to do this and you're, you're going to be wowed and I want you to know I'm just a man like anyone else with phenomenal abilities and talents. Um, but I give God all the glory. Uh, <laughs> Here it is. Can you? You need to have rhythm. If you're going to understand the Sabbath, you've got to have rhythm. It's about rhythm. Ready? Six and one, six and one, six and one, six and one. Ready? Six and one. Join me. Six and one, six and one. Work and rest. Work and rest. That's the verses, and then the other is the course. Yeah. So all I got so far <laughs> took me eight weeks. Why are you stopped? We're not done. Yeah, okay, do a little longer. Ready, I want everyone to join me. Stand up if you would, please. That's your punishment, you didn't sing it. Come on, stand up, come on, come on. Just get up. Ready? Six and one, six and one, six and one, work and rest. Six and one, work and rest. Six and one, work and rest, and now I am done. All right, have a seat. You're welcome. You have been blessed. We could probably end now, and your life has been changed. All right. Our life needs rhythm. We need a rhythm, a six and one rhythm in our life. A rhythm, work, rest, work, rest. This is not Tony's idea. This is God's idea. There are three words. When you look at Genesis 2 and then you compare it to Exodus chapter 20, there are three words that stand out that helps us understand the heart of this commandment. And here are the three words. Cease, say cease. Blessed and holy. Say them again. Cease, blessed, and Those are three key words we have to understand to understand this. Both of, all of these words or concepts are found, and, and think about this, at two of the most significant times in Jewish history. At create, well, at us, at creation, and at the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, the Garden of Eden and Mount Sinai. That's how important the Sabbath is, which breaks my heart that Christians consider it the least important. When God included it at such significant places in human history and Jewish history, amen? The concept of ceasing from work is found in verse 9. When God told Moses in Exodus 20 that the people shall not do any work. Blessed is found in verse 11 where it says the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. God uses the word holy two times. He tells Moses regarding the Sabbath in verse 8 that they are to keep it holy. And then in verse 11 that God, he reminded them that he had made it holy. 
at both the garden and Sinai. <clears throat> the Sabbath was made a priority. Cease, blessed, holy. We must understand those words. If we're going to understand what a treasure the Sabbath really is for us. Cease from work. The Jews observed, observed the Sabbath on Saturdays. Technically, Friday at sunset to sunset Saturday. So their Sabbath was sunset Friday to sunset Saturday. <coughs> Excuse me. They did no work between those hours. It's when they rested. It's when they spent time with family and worshiped God. After Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday, the early church switched their day of worship from Saturday to Sunday so as to worship the day on Jesus' resurrection. That's why most Christians today observe the Sabbath on a Sunday. There's debate on this, as there is on everything in the Bible. <laughs> but I love the way that Alistair Beggs put it in his book, Pathway to Freedom. He said this, by using Sunday, Sabbath, and Lord's Day interchangeably, we are simply affirming the abiding place of one day in seven for rest and worship. That's the heart of it. Don't get so hung up on all the arguments or debates. The concept, the heart is, are you taking one day a week where that day is marked by rest and worship? That's the heart of it. But sadly, so many Christians have grown up and the Sabbath became such a legalistic thing. We all have different backgrounds. Maybe some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Maybe some of you don't have any religious background. But there's some of us that grew up, right? And, 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 and it, you couldn't do anything. Like, like, it was so legalistic that you didn't actually even look forward to a Sabbath day. It was more about restriction, catch this, than it was about freedom. The Ten Commandments are not about restriction. The Ten Commandments are about freedom. As I mentioned in week one, I'm sure you all remember everything I say, right? <laughs> I said this, though, in week one. The law leads us to freedom. Law leads us to Jesus. The law also leads us to love. And the law is to lead us to freedom. To understand the Sabbath principle and how to implement it into our lives will actually free us to have more joyful and healthy relationships. So, so here's the million-dollar question, though. I know that some of you have, okay? Is the Sabbath binding or not binding on our lives today? So I want to answer it this way and listen carefully on how I answer this. It is not... Binding on us as it was to those who lived in the Old Testament. Make sure you heard the word as. It is not binding on us as it was to those who lived in the Old Testament. I would compare the Sabbath of the Old Testament to the Old Testament tithe. 
If we tithed, which literally means a tenth, if we tithed under the Old Testament law, it would include three different tithes. The Levitical tithe, the tithe of the feast, and the tithe for the poor. I rarely even use, sometimes just because I hear it a lot, I rare, you will rarely hear me use the word tithe. I will use the word giving just to not confuse it. All right, We don't live under the Old Testament tithe. And some of you are like, really? Oh, man, why are you giving 10%? Okay, I got a deal for you. If you want to live under the Old Testament tithe, I welcome that. Because if you live under the Old Testament tithe, what you're actually giving is over 23% of what God has given you. So go for it, man. Knock yourself out. It's different. We don't live by the Old Testament tithe. Now, the talk isn't about that today. But I want you to understand the principle here. The principle for the New Covenant Christian, the New, covenant, the new Testament Christian is to give God the first fruits of our income. We, we give to God first of what he's given us. That's the principle that we still live by. But it's not the official Old Testament law in tithing because every one of us, well, most of us, I mean, violate it. I don't know how I would give a Levitical tithe anyways. <laughs> right? And it's similar to the Sabbath. If we were bound, and but yet, yeah, and this is why I'm making such a big point of this, because some grew up with whatever, a pastor, a parent, or whatever they may, who didn't understand the difference between the Old Testament law, specifically for the Jewish people, and what we have as New Covenant Christians, not bound by the Old Testament law, but bound by the Spirit of Christ and the truth of God's word as repeated by Jesus and the apostles and the writers in the New Testament. I mean, I shared this last week. If, if we were to obey every single commandment in the Old Testament, I mean, think about the things we couldn't do. Couldn't eat bacon. I mentioned that one. We all cried. Remember that? It was such a sorrowful moment. You know, bacon, can't wear polyester in anything you do. No, we don't live by the Old Testament law. But is there a principle there that's repeated in the New Testament? And is there a principle, notice, where it was given before the law was even given. And so that's why I liken it to the tithe. There's a principle there for us today. But we're not bound to the Sabbath law with all the specifics that it was given to the Jewish people. In other words, if we were, then we wouldn't be able to even leave the home on the Sabbath, according to Exodus 16.29. We wouldn't be able to build a fire, according to Exodus 35. Five. And the punishment for breaking the Sabbath was death, according to Exodus 31, 15. Want to live by the Old Testament law? Not me. Jesus said this in Colossians 2, 14, that he canceled the written code with its regulations. Move on, Tony. No, I won't. Because so many Christians don't understand the relationship between the Old Testament and New Testament. And it's caused some bad theology. And it's caused some legalism in the church. And we have to get this. We are not bound by the rules and regulations given to the Jewish people in the law of Moses. 
but there are things in the Old Testament law that are universal, that are repeated by Jesus or even before the law was given that are for all of us. And that's what I want to make sure we understand. Don't make the Sabbath something legalistic. Don't cheapen the gift that God wants to give to you in a Sabbath. By the way, Paul went on two verses later to say, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink and with regard to a festival or a new moon or a what? You see what he's saying there? Don't let anybody judge you because you're not following the Old Testament law the way it was followed in the Old Testament. How many like to work in the, their yard? All right, that's all the weird people in the church. Thank you. <laughs> Hate it. No, I'm just kidding. So I'm going to tell you something. If that brings, if that refreshes you, that brings joy, that's relaxing to you, work on the yard on the Sabbath. How many working on the yard wants you to curse out Adam and Eve for sinning, creating such horrible weeds and whatnot? Raise your hand. That is me. That is me. Okay? Guess what? I'm not mowing on the Sabbath. There is nothing restful or worshipful when I'm working on the yard. I hate it. I do it because I have to or my wife gets mad at me. Okay, there it is. <laughs> is this making sense? Do you know what I'm saying? Rest, worship, enjoy yourself on the Sabbath. We're not bound by the law of the Old Testament. There is a principle, though, for us. Catch this, church. There is freedom in how the Sabbath principle fleshes out in our lives. There's freedom there. There's a principle that matters, but it can flesh out differently for Joel than it does for me, than it does for TJ, than it does for, uh, for Bill. I mean, how that fleshes, as long as it, it, it honors the intent that God had. Just, can you shake your head if this all is making sense? I, I, wanna, I traveled from Grand Rapids this morning. I just want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm making sense this morning. Okay, good. Let me, let me just say it this way. The Sabbath is great for the soul. If you get nothing else out of today, like capture that. The Sabbath is great for the soul. In fact, will you say it with me? The Sabbath is great for the soul. Take a day a week and do not work. I don't just mean a day off from your job. Take a day off from chores, from the errands that need to be done around the house. Figure out how you're going to fit that in somewhere on the other six days of where we're to be productive. Listen, I know for a fact that some of you, because I've been a pastor long enough, I've had enough conversation about the Sabbath, some of you will feel guilty if you're not doing something. And I want to ask you, that. And, and what we do is we chalk that up as a positive. Man, I'm such a hard worker. I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something else. Search the heart on that. Search the soul on that. Why do you have to be productive? Why do you have to get something done? Now I know some of you, and again, this is where the freedom, your schedules, your work schedule, I, I get all that. But try to get the errands done, the stuff you don't like to, get it done so that one day, it is a fun day. Like, it's like a spiritual recess, all right? Like when you were kids, right? Like a day, just 
<laughs> like you don't have to get anything done and you don't have to feel guilty and you shouldn't feel guilty. Let me take it a step further. You should feel guilty if you're trying to get a lot done on that day. The intent is to stop. And if I hear that you're not, I'm coming to your house, I'm knocking on your door and I'm going six and one, six and one, till you get it. <laughs> Cease from work. That's part of the Sabbath. But we also have to understand this. The Sabbath is holy. The Sabbath is holy. Holy means set apart as sacred. This, this day, in other words, this day is to look distinctly different than the rest of the days. Why? Because God made it holy. If a day a week doesn't look distinctly different than the other six, then we have not made it holy. What makes it distinct is not just ceasing from work. It's also having a time focused in worship. That's why most consider Sunday their Sabbath. They take time to worship God corporately with others, and God said to keep it holy. And so for many people, their Sabbath is Sunday. This might surprise you. My Sabbath day isn't Sunday. Because <laughs> I'm up early, last minute prayer, you know, writing a sermon at 7 a.m., you know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm going over it. I'm praying over it. You know, I'm preaching. I'm spending time with people, people at our house on Sunday night. It's, it's a... It's a work day, so to speak, but it's a, I mean, obviously it's a day I love and it's worshipful, but that's not my Sabbath day where I abstain and I cease. But for many, it just makes sense for Sunday to be that particular day. So my challenge is, if that's the case, leave that whole day free to worship, spend time with your family, do things that you enjoy, worship. It's a holy day. Rest and worship, rest and worship. Those are two key components of a Sabbath day. And let me say it again, the Sabbath is good for the soul. You get into that kind of rhythm in your life, you will actually, it may be hard at first if you've, if you've never really practiced the Sabbath principle. It will be hard and there will be voices, maybe even other people's voices growing up in your ear. No, listen, we give an account to God. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't even matter what we were taught if it contradicts that. We give an account to God. And how, Scripture says, how, how, how are we to love God? There's different ways, but how? Obey his commandments. Honor God. Take a day a week. Refrain from work. Last thing. The Sabbath brings Blessings. The Sabbath brings blessings. A short survey I want to take. How many here like to be blessed by God? Can I just see a show of hands? Is anybody? Okay, who doesn't want to be blessed by God? Show of hands. Anybody? Anybody? No, of course. We all want to be blessed of God. Of course. I want to be blessed of God. Of course I want to be blessed of God. The word that we have there, blessed, in Exodus chapter 20, is a Hebrew word, and it means to bring benefit or honor to to bring benefit or honor to. So whenever you're, you're blessing someone, you're bringing benefit or honor to someone. When we honor God with a Sabbath day, he honors us back. Did you catch that? When we honor God with a Sabbath day, he honors us back. God blesses us when we bless the Sabbath. 
Unfortunately, the Old Testament, we see people not honoring the Sabbath. We see them not taking it seriously, trying to work when they shouldn't work, even though God said, I'll provide on that day for you. And part of God sending Isaiah to the people of Israel and to bring them back to a place of repentance, one of the things he addresses is that they're not honoring him on a Sabbath day. And I know that this prophecy is specifically for the nation of Israel, but I think the principles that are there are very much for us today. So I want you to receive this word from the Lord, not from Tony, receive it from the Lord. Isaiah 58, 13 through 14. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or taking idly, talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. What does that mean? I don't know, but it sounds good. I want to I want to ride on the heights of the earth, whatever God means by that. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let me just paraphrase that. You start honoring me on that day and I will unleash my blessing on your life. What if what if we left here today and every one of us at church on the rock went home and in our life and in our family said, "We're going to take this commandment serious. We are going to take a day a week and just replenish the soul and worship God and relax and rest." And, and, and even when we're struggling to do that, to let God take those reasons why and begin to conform us and show us why we struggle so hard to have a Sabbath day, all right? But we're going to, and it may be hard at first, but we're going to do that. I want to tell you, I believe with all of my heart, if all of us leave this place and we say we are going to each in our lives honor the Sabbath day, watch out. I want to launch churches I want a ministry school where we are sending people out into ministry and on the mission field. I want us to launch campuses all over the place. I want us to have an internship. We're training young men and women for ministry so we're not sending them off to a college where they're getting hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. We can train people for ministry. I want us to have a recovery ministry when people come in, they know they're gonna be loved and ministered to, that we are known in the world for recovery. I've got dreams and I've got visions. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough to see those become reality. But I know God can do it. And I know if as a church we decide we want to honor God in all areas of our life. And this one here, we have the promise of God that God will bless us when we bless the Sabbath day. Come on, church. Amen. God gave us the Sabbath as a blessing, not a burden. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a gift. It's his gift. You know what the Pharisees did? They tacked, those were the religious leaders in, in, in Jesus' day, they tacked on 1,500 other regulations to the Sabbath. For instance, a Jew could not spit on the Sabbath because if it hit the ground and they stepped on it and it created mud, it would be considered cultivating the land, which was work. A 
Imagine trying to remember over a thousand rules on the Sabbath day. There's no blessing in that. Just the burden of trying hard not to break the rules. Because death could occur for the Jews if that was the case. Before Jesus' death and resurrection. But they were bound by the law still. I, mean, I can't even remember to take the trash out on Friday. I'm not going to remember 1,000, 1,500 rules. Catch this. And I know I'm going, going a little bit here. But I, man, we need to get this. Jesus reprimanded the Pharisees. And I want you to catch this. This is what Jesus said. And he said to them, this is so good. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Boy, get that. I mean, really get that. Jesus was correcting the abuse, not canceling the use. Jesus is saying that the Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift for his people. We aren't slaves to the Sabbath. The Sabbath serves us. It serves the purpose of helping us cultivate a balanced, rested, worshipful life. How's the saying go? All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. It also makes him stressed and grumpy and out of sync. The Sabbath is a gracious gift from our gracious Heavenly Father. For the sake of time, I'm going to just give you these two gifts that you'll discover that will unwrap if you start honoring the Sabbath. And some of you are, by the way, I get that. But if you aren't, and you step out by faith and you're going to start doing that, Here's, the, here's two gifts. Number one, the Sabbath teaches us to trust. It forces us to say, I am not gonna get all the stuff done on my list that needs to be done today because this is the day where my focus is on my God, my family, and my soul to be rested and replenished and I will not touch the to-do list. And I trust that God will honor that as I honor him <laughs> in the six days of production in my life. It's a beautiful gift. I mean, we can all say amen and we can all say stuff, but I'm gonna tell you, our calendar and our wallet tells us who we trust. It's the same with giving. If we give God the first fruits and we don't compromise that, every premarital counseling, you know, I've married 10 to 12, uh, what is it? How many couples just since the church started? 12, 13 couples? Huh? Seven? Wow. Pastor math, my goodness. Seven? No, it's more seven. Six last year and whatever it was the year before. Anyways, my point is, praise God, we're marrying off a lot of people. We have a lot of young people. Okay. That wasn't even the point. Okay. Squirrel. All right. So, so here's the deal. I tell every, every single couple, I say this. You, you put your budget together. You do it now. I'm gonna tell you right now. You give to God first. You build in your giving. And then I say to every single couple, I promise you, I'm not saying it because we're hurting. I'm not saying it because I'm afraid we won't get some of your money. 
So have you been here long enough? I don't beg and plead anybody to give, do I? Because I trust God with it. I've never lost a second sleep over it. Put the need out, teach what the Bible says, and trust God. You don't have to manipulate people. But I tell the couples, I'm telling you this because I love you and I want your lives to be blessed by God. And God comes first in your marriage. And one of the practical ways to prove it, and this isn't, I say, you know what? The tithe, the 10%, that's a great starting place. Starting place, yep. If it's good enough to poor, poor peasant farmers, should be good enough for us. I was challenged. Maybe 10% is the, is, 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 the, is the starting point, not the ceiling of our giving. Now that's all, that's for another day. But, but I say, listen, I'm gonna tell you what percent even. I tell you what, that's a great challenge. Why don't you from day one as a married couple say the first 10% is God's? And I don't even care like, if you give like a certain percent here and a certain percent to this ministry. I don't care where it goes. I mean, I think you should give to your church because it's your church family, some of it, of course. But do that. And now I want to say it to all of us. Because God is blessing here. All right? This is, this is in no way like, uh, it, I'm telling for all of us, with our finances and with our time. We can say whatever we want. We can say whatever we want about how we trust God. But I'm telling you right now, our calendar and our wallet reveals if we trust God or not. Because to give God that day and to abstain, to give God that percent and trust you'll take care of the rest is an act of faith. And it will be very hard when you first lean into that. But over time, you will see that that rhythm, I won't do it, but that rhythm will start producing a blessing in your life. I promise you that. And the last reason it is a gift is this, number two, because the Sabbath will restore a restless soul. It will restore a restless soul. I'm gonna ask the band to come up. They're gonna lead us in a closing song, and I wanna, I wanna just close with this as they prepare us. When I was about 30 years, I was part of a large dynamic ministry, and I was convinced in my mind that for that church to continue to, 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 to do all that it was doing, I needed to work, 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 and make it happen. I was young and dumb, and God was patient and didn't give up on me. But I didn't honor my family. I worked way too hard. I was gone most nights of the week. 30 years old, and I started forgetting people's names. I would sit in a meeting and I'd point to someone and my, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know their name even though we served together for three, four years. I started to get this weird eye twitch. It's kind of really embarrassing when you're talking to someone. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> like this, this weird eye twitch. Like what is going on with me? Not, at, not now, but... Back then, I was doing like, like duathlons, and I was racing. I was like at my, my college weight. I was like, like healthy. I'm like, I don't get, what is, why how am I breaking down at 30? I'm in great shape. And discovered they were all warning signs. God was using those signals to tell me, you're not honoring me. 
You're trusting in you. You think that ministry is about you. You think you're making that ministry happen. And so you work, 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 because if you don't, things won't keep happening. It, it won't be blessed. And God, God said to me, well, he didn't say you idiot, but he said, Tony, I'm the one that blesses the ministry. You bless me. You bless my commandment on the Sabbath, and I will bless. And that was a painful, hard, but necessary lesson for me to learn. So I'm just saying to you right now, I hope that you know that I've struggled with the Sabbath over the years. I've struggled with really honoring God on that day. But I have discovered as I have begun to try to honor God in this way, that it teaches you to trust. And it does restore the soul. Because I want to love my wife. I want to love my kids and my grandbaby. <laughs> From a place of rest and wholeness. I don't want to be tired and grumpy all the time. I don't want to lash out to my wife because I don't have the right balance in my life because I'm stressed and overworked and, and I don't want that. And I want to come on Sunday giving him everything. Not coming in tired. You know, and barely being able to even sing because I'm so tired. Working hard is a good thing. I think most of us in this area had incredible role models and, you know, the work ethic. In, and I don't know where the work ethic is now in some ways. And, you know, you know maybe we need more. We need to have a, a whole session on that, working, working hard, you know. But I know I grew up with parents, my mom, my dad, who worked like they were workers, man. And I thank God for that. But we need to work as hard at resting, <laughs> replenishing the soul as we do on those other six days. Does that make sense, church? I want you to be whole. I want you to be whole with God. I want you to be whole with your family. I want you to serve and love out of a rested, replenished soul. That's God's desire for your life. That's his gift to you. Take a day off and be serious about it.